You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's another edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Blair Angulo. Thank you so much for joining us. College football is in full swing, and we are here to discuss recruiting, including the number one prospect in the 2021 class, JT Tuimoloau, five-star defensive end from the state of Washington. We will be joined by Brandon Huffman, national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports, to discuss everything that's been going on with Tuimoloau. He recently named a top seven. Remember, if you're new here, please hit that subscribe button. Please rate us. If you leave a five-star Apple podcast review with your recruiting question, you can get it answered by one of our analysts on the 24-7 Sports team. We've got a mailbag episode coming up this week, whether that's a question on a specific recruit like JT Tuimoloau or a specific team or a specific region, or even if it's a broad recruiting question like a favorite recruiting story, make sure you submit that in an Apple podcast review. Along with Tuimoloau, Huffman will join us to discuss Caleb Elarms or a four-star defensive end who came off the board to California this past weekend, as well as another quarterback in the country to keep an eye on in the future class. But before we get to Huff, let's begin with the kickoff. We have seen some big-time quarterback performances in college football, but how about what's happening in the high school ranks as the number one prospect in the 2022 class, Quinn Ewers, five-star quarterback, already committed to Texas. All he did was throw for 388 yards and five touchdowns in helping South Lake Carroll put up 72 points. That makes five straight 300-plus yard performances. So the Longhorns and their fans have a lot to look forward to. And speaking of the future, 2023, the number one quarterback in that class, Arch Manning, obviously a legacy of the Manning family. He also had a big-time performance. He totaled six touchdowns touchdowns in his win Thursday night. So Ewers, Manning, they're vying for the top quarterback in the country, regardless of class. Ewers, Manning, two quarterbacks you're going to hear a lot from in the years to come. Shifting gears now here on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast, bringing in the national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports. He is Brandon Huffman. Brandon, how are you doing? Oh. I didn't want to sweep in the NBA finals anyway, Blair. I want this <laughs> season to last as long as possible. You and Greg Biggins, national recruiting analyst, and, and obviously a, a great co-host of, of this show, uh, as you are, uh, I think you and, you and him had already started to plan out the, the Figueroa, uh, the, the parade route, where you were going to be situated. I mean, obviously from a socially distanced uh, manner as well. A very responsible socially distanced parade route, but one that would surely bring great joy to downtown Los Angeles. And it just, you know, we're, we're pushing it back a couple of days just to make sure that the planning is fully in place in the right way. Yeah. And so by the time this is published, obviously it's 2-1 Lakers in the NBA finals. And, you know, we're 
a college football podcast, but we, we have to, we have to talk a little Lakers, especially with you uh, here on the show. And, and you have obviously uh, given us a lot of great stories. Uh, obviously the Kobe Bryant stuff that you shared with us earlier in the year, uh, your Irvin magic Johnson tweets. I mean, you, you bring out the, the best of, of, uh, you know, kind of our MBA look into it. And we, we, we do a little bit of everything here on this show. Um, but now we are going to go into recruiting with the number one player in the top 24-7. He is JT Tuimolowau. He released a top seven. Now, you might be wondering why is the five-star defensive end from the state of Washington releasing a top seven? It's October. What's happening? But he, he's actually taking his time with the process. What's the latest with JT Tuimolowau? A very deliberate approach is kind of how JT and his family have taken on this process. And, you know, they're not big on social media. They're not big on Twitter. They're not big on Instagram. They're not big on you know, really drawing a lot of attention to the recruitment. They're taking a deliberate approach and taking their time. He has at no point had any desire to make a decision early. He hasn't had any desire to make a decision in time to sign in December. Their plan all along has been to sign in the second period, partly because he fully intends to play his senior year, not just in football, but in basketball. And with the season switching spots with basketball before football, he's kind of hoping that, you know, maybe the, Signing period in the spring or in February is pushed back to the spring so he can take a little bit more time, but he wants to take visits because he's done AAU basketball the last couple summers. He has not had the opportunity to get out on the road and visit many schools. And with a top seven, I believe only three of those schools have actually physically been visited from a recruiting standpoint. Another he went to when he was a child, but the other three schools that are in his top seven, he's never even been on campus which kind of speaks to the, the ability to recruit from those schools when they haven't even gotten on campus yet find themselves in his top seven. So he's got Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and then a trio of Pac-12 schools, Oregon, USC, and Washington. Let's start in the SEC. Now, obviously, we've seen Bama do what Bama does early in the season. Uh, the other schools, uh, excluding Oklahoma, haven't even taken the field. But when you think of Bama, when you think of their approach, when you think of, obviously, the, their ties out west and, 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 and their ability to go into any region in the country and essentially pluck the best player from wherever they want. Uh, what appeals to him about the Crimson Tide? What, what do you think draws him to Tuscaloosa? You know, he went down there and visited when he was going into his sophomore year, went and visited for a camp, received an offer from Nick Saban at that camp. And he had a video go viral at that camp where he went up against a unnamed top 50 offensive lineman, beat him with his left hand and just pushed the kid back and knocked him on his tail. At that time, Tosh LaPoy, the defensive coordinator at Alabama at the time, had to stifle a laugh and it just showed the dominance that JT had even then. So there's always been an allure to Alabama, being offered by Nick Saban himself, being on the Alabama campus, obviously, you know, just kind of ranks significantly with him and their success at pass rushers, their success with defensive players, their success with, you know, recently Polynesian players. And obviously Tua Tonga Bailoa was a high level player that really succeeded at Alabama, Ali Kaho. Uh, we've got Cameron Latu, Jesse Williams a few years ago. So there's been a, uh, you know, a number of players that have gone on to Alabama and flourished and that's not been lost on JT. And to have Saban, you know, when I asked him, you know, why they made his top seven, all he did was he just kind of chuckled and said, Nick Saban. And I mean, that's a pretty ringing endorsement for Alabama. 
Yeah, is there? I don't think you have to say anything else after that. I mean, Nick Saban, and it speaks for itself. And uh, I think once you win that first national championship, obviously he's done it uh, multiple times. But once you win that first one, you you bring that program back to what he's brought it. Uh, it's gonna give you all the recruiting pool you need. Um, and and I always bring this up. I always bring up the fact that once you recruit outside the region and you have a successful example to point to recruits that you're, you're set up for forever because the next time you go out to to the West coast, or let's say they got a player from the Midwest and you know, you can point to that player and say, Hey, you can be that next guy. So obviously JT Tui Moloau has has some interest in in Alabama and, and uh, the interest is reciprocated moving over to the, to big 10. These two schools haven't taken the field yet. And, you know, it's going to be important for both of them to, to show the product on the field, Michigan, Ohio state, the Buckeyes right now have all the momentum in the 24 seven sports crystal ball. Your confidence level though, from one to 10 remains at a one. I still think the Buckeyes are in the pole position, but there just seems to be such a long time until a decision is made, but you know, it never hurts to be at the top, even if it, the confidence level is at one. And it just shows you that Ohio State has maintained a longtime presence in his recruitment. They've got a commitment from his team, or I guess not even a commitment at this point. His, his former high school team is on campus practicing, getting ready for his freshman year in G. Scott Jr. But I just think that, you know, you look at what Ohio State has done at the pass rusher position in the last five to ten years with Joey Bosa, with Nick Bosa, with Chase Young, but then you also go back to Larry Johnson's success at Penn State, Courtney Brown, Tom Bahali. I mean, he, everywhere he's been, he's had elite pass rushers. And I think that given Ohio State, just the urgency in which they've recruited him, just the development that Larry Johnson has had everywhere he's been, and a little bit of familiarity with the program because of G. Scott Jr., I think the Buckeyes still remain in the pole position for him. They'll have their work cut out for him with other schools still in the mix, but they're in as good a position as anybody in the top seven right now with the slightest of leads. With Michigan specifically, I know he mentioned Sean Nua, the defensive line coach, and obviously has a lot of Polynesian ties and ties out West. He mentioned him as a reason why he's interested in the Wolverines. Do you think they're a realistic threat? You know, interestingly enough, I do. And part of that was because about three months ago, I talked to JT at a workout and I asked him, you know, are there any schools in your top seven or at that point, are there any schools that were on your short list that you could kind of say you were surprised that you were considering this late and said, you know what, Michigan, he never really thought Michigan would be as much of a presence in his recruitment as they had been. And that here they are finding themselves in the top seven. And I would even put them on the shorter list there in that top three or four schools. And part of that is because of the relationship with Sean Nua, who's from the same village that JT's father is from in Samoa, but also Jim Harbaugh, you know, JT and his mother are huge San Francisco 49ers fans. So they've been following Jim Harbaugh for several years, being in Seattle and, you know, watching Pete Carroll and Jim Harbaugh's teams eight or nine years ago in those NFC rivalries, uh, you know, I, I think to them, it, it, they're still kind of in awe that Jim Harbaugh is recruiting him. But a lot of that is because of the efforts of Sean Nua, who had been out on the West Coast at Arizona State previously, but has, you know, done a good job recruiting JT to Michigan. Don Brown, obviously his success as a defense coordinator has a big deal. But I, I think Michigan might be lasting in this race much longer than people are giving them credit and maybe much longer than people are expecting them to. 
Oklahoma with a, with a couple hiccups so far early in the season, and it, it seems like their college football playoff hopes are completely out the window now. Um, how, I guess, realistic are, are their chances to reel him in? I know in the past we've talked about how Oklahoma needs impact players on the defensive side of the ball. You know, the, the offense is covered, but we, we've seen it in the last couple of weeks with Kansas State and Iowa State just completely exploiting them defensively. I feel like JT would be an instant impact player for them. Well, and that's one of the reasons he said that Oklahoma is on his short list is that Lincoln Riley, Calvin Thibodeau, uh, Jamar Kane, the, the coaches recruiting him to Oklahoma along with the head coach, have done a good job of imploring to him their importance of getting a defensive presence like JT on that roster. And obviously we've seen the last couple of weeks that their defense has, you know, done a good job of uh, – you know, costing them some games here, and he would obviously make an instant impact. That said, I liked where Oklahoma stood maybe a couple months ago. Not as confident in their – just where they extend his recruitment. One thing they do have in their corner is that JT does have some family in Texas, and it's relatively close to Oklahoma. Uh, he was discussed as potentially going out there for the Sooner Summit back in – summer but didn't end up going I, I think Oklahoma has a better chance of landing a Mecca Egbuka out of Washington than I do think they do with JT but they're, they're not going down without a fight we're joined by Brandon Huffman he's a national recruiting editor for 24-7 sports we'll be right back after the break with more talk on JT Tuimoloao and some Pac-12 conversations this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We are back on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Blair Angulo, joined by Brandon Huffman, National Recruiting Editor for 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter, at Brandon Huffman, if you want your Lakers insights in the next few days, or, or maybe some Miami insights. You might have some heat insights for us, Huff. I have heat insight. LeBron James isn't walking back through that door into your locker room. Lakers in five. <laughs> Lakers in five. Speaking of 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 uh, you know finalists, uh, there's three other Pac-12 schools that also made the list for JT Tuimoloao, and those are Oregon, USC, and Washington. Uh, obviously, the Pac-12 voted to play and and to resume uh, activities. A lot of the practices are kicking off the, this week. Uh, the season itself is set to begin on November seventh. So it's going to give these schools an opportunity to put a product on the field and make an impression on JT. Let's start with, with Oregon. The Ducks have done a, a really good job of tying up 
maybe the top prospect in every state in the last couple a couple recruiting cycles going into the state of Utah, going into the state of Arizona, going out to Hawaii, going up to Washington, and being a presence not only in the state of California, which has been a, a battleground state for them, uh, but the Ducks have also done a, a really good job of, of laying and casting a wide net and I feel like JT would be that big fish that would put crystal ball over the top as a recruiter. They are not backing down from recruiting him and they haven't in the previous classes with what looked like maybe outside of the realm of realistic, realistic lands for Oregon on the defense side of the ball, Kayvon Thibodeau in the 2019 class, Justin Flo in the 2020 class. At one point, most people thought Kayvon Thibodeau was heading to the SEC at, most, at one point, most people thought Justin Flo was heading to the ACC. And where did they, they both end up? They both ended up in Eugene. That said, can lightning strike three times in a row? It's going to be tough. I will say that Oregon, you know, much like Sean Nua in Michigan, Joe Salavea also coming from uh, the same village that JT's family has, he's had a chance to visit Oregon. You know, and one thing that the other schools on his top seven outside the Pac-12, with the exception of Alabama, don't have is JT on their campus. And JT, the last college he visited prior to Washington, which he visited back in January, was to Oregon for a game last September. So the Ducks, you know, have done a really good job the last couple of years of getting players that people didn't think were going to go there to go there. Now, that said, I still think that he's likely to head outside the Pac-12 footprint, but I do like Oregon's chances if he decides to stay on the West Coast Right now, I would say I'm probably the most confident in Oregon to land him if he stays on the West Coast, but I'm just not as confident he stays on the West Coast. The, but I think the, it speaks to the – go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I just think it speaks to the, the, the volume of work that Oregon has done with him to you know, be involved that heavily for him when he's 20, 30 minutes from the UW campus. I was going to say that sound you hear, folks, is all the USC listeners and all the uh, UW listeners hopping off the, the call or off the podcast. But let's talk about the Trojans. Let's talk about the Huskies. We're, we're not going to forget about you, uh, USC and Washington fans. USC is trying to once again be the destination program for Polynesian players. You know, we've said it time and time again that their stranglehold on the, the, the top players uh, in the region is no longer there. You know, losing players like Kingsley Suamataia and Penei Sewell and Noah Sewell and, and even guys like Cameron Latu and Brandon Cajo and, and all the players that they've lost to the likes of Oregon and Washington in, in, the, in the last few classes. You know, even a Henry Tooto who went out to Tennessee. I mean, I think the list goes on and on and it really started with Tua Tango by Loa headed to Bama. Uh, but USC is another school that I know in the past you've mentioned could be considered a potential dark horse. And I think that people need to understand this is the program that JT2 Moloa grew up revering. And that goes back to when he was, I believe, five years old. The first college football game he ever went to was out at Martin Stadium in Washington State and watched USC with Ray Maluga, Brian Cushing, Kaluka Maiava. I think Clay Matthews Jr. was on that defense and he went out and watched those guys and, you know, he's got a long-standing fanhood towards USC. His family's from Southern California. His mom grew up, you know, not far from the USC campus. She actually grew up with Kerry Colbert, the USC receivers coach, you know, and Ray Maluga and JT's grandfather were both pastors in the Ventura County area. So USC has had, you know, a long-standing 
just favorite uh, favorite program, if you will, for JT. The other thing that USC does have going for them, two of his seven-on-seven teammates have committed to the Trojans, Julian Simon, the four-star linebacker out of Tacoma, Washington, and then Philip Riley, the four-star cornerback out of Florida who was originally from Washington, who just recently committed to USC. Both those guys are working overtime on JT. He's got a good relationship with Vic Soto, so I won't count out USC entirely at all with him. And then there's the hometown school. Last but not least, the Washington Huskies also made the top seven. Imagine if they hadn't made the top seven. Uh, I, I mean, I know they've talked about the Cascades tearing apart up there with the, <laughs> the, 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 the tectonic plates and everything. I mean, it, I would have been bigger, I think. It would have probably the big one that they've been talking about Berkeley or Northern California getting for years might have happened about, you know, eight, 10 hours north of there had that happened. Uh, and we saw what happened last year, you know, interestingly enough, when Savelle Samals eliminated Washington only to commit to them a few months later and then sign with them. Uh, that said, I think that UW's got more work to do with JT than they did with even Savelle at that point, because even when Savelle eliminated Washington, I still thought eh, at the end of the day, he's probably still going to sign with them. It was, JT, I think Washington's been playing catch up for quite some time, even though they're the first school to offer him. They offered him after his third game as a high school freshman. I still think that the Huskies have a lot of work to do to get back in the mix for JT. I think they've got to catch Oregon. I think they've got to catch a number of other schools nationally. But the one thing Washington will have that none of the other schools will have is that proximity to home and that proximity to family. So Washington is hoping that much like Savelle, much like with Sam Heward, another 2021 commit, that the hometown pool ends up weighing much heavier than it looks to be right now. And we're expecting this recruitment to stretch into February, right, next year? We are. And the other thing that, you know, with Washington that we'll mention too is speaking of February, where, you know, that you're right getting into basketball season at that point, the Huskies did offer JT as a basketball player. Mike Hopkins and his staff offered JT as a hooper. He absolutely is planning to play basketball in college. Other schools have said that he could play, but Mike Hopkins is the only one that said, hey, football or not, we're offering you a scholarship. So the Huskies do have that in their corner. And, you know, perhaps a good basketball season following a good football season maybe brings the Huskies back to the forefront with him. We're joined by Brandon Huffman, National Recruiting Editor for 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Huffman. Staying in the Pac-12 North Huff, the, the big commitment of the weekend was top 24-7 defensive end Caleb Elarms Orr choosing the Cal Golden Bears, giving uh, Coach Wilcox and, and that staff another jewel in, in their class, which is sneaky good. You know, they're a top 20 class nationally, number four among Pac-12 schools, and Elam's Orr gives them another dynamic defensive prospect in that class. And I also like what they've done, especially in Northern California, with Elam's Orr joining a couple of his seven-on-seven teammates, Moses Holiday, or the Dejo from Kasumnas Oaks over in the Sacramento area, and then another Sacramento area guy, Caleb Higgins out of Folsom. You know, that's three guys that – Cal had to beat significant programs for, and this recruitment was much, much closer than I think people realize. Colorado, as late as Friday, looked like they may be pulling a little bit of surprise and going into the Bay, you know, just 20, 30 minutes from the Berkeley campus and snagging Elarms, or I have my crystal ball on Cal since April on Friday, 
there was enough buzz where I was tempted to switch that crystal ball, but I knew there was still 24 hours to go. And I just had a hard time seeing him going away from Cal with the familiarity with the program, with the familiarity with the area, with his mom being a Cal alum, and really just what Cal has done defensively under Justin Wilcox has been nothing short of, you know, a surprise. I guess we shouldn't be surprised. We, we always knew that Justin Wilcox could coach, but, you know, the way he's turned around Cal in the last couple of years, and now, you know, they've got a team that realistically could contend for the Pac-12 North title, but really one of the biggest things that Justin Wilcox has been able to do that Sonny Dykes was not able to do, and what Jeff Tedford really did when he had the Cal program cooking was really succeed in Northern California. And if they had lost Elarm Zor, that would have hurt. But to get Elarm Zor to stay in the Bay Area, that's a huge victory for Justin Wilcox, for Peter Sermon, the defensive coordinator, Tim DeRuiter as well. All three of those guys did a fantastic job. Of course, Marshall Charrington, the director of recruiting strategy at Cal, has been very present in a lot of recruitments uh, in this 2021 class. And I think that all three of those guys, plus Marshall, did a great job of keeping Caleb home. Brandon, before we let you go, you know, and, and get back to your whiteboard so you can continue drawing up plays for Kyle Kuzma, uh, <laughs> you know, I kicked off this episode by discussing Arch Manning, the number one pro style quarterback in the 2023 class. This weekend, you got to see our number two dual threat quarterback in the 2023 class, and he's a name and a player that you feel like we will be hearing a lot from in the next couple of years. Absolutely. Jabari Johnson out of Lincoln High School in Tacoma. We talked about his teammate Julian Simon earlier in the show. Jabari has been a receiver as a freshman at Lincoln, had some packages as a quarterback, but he's already got a number of Pac-12 offers. Oregon State, I'm sorry, Washington State was his first Pac-12 offer. Nick Rolovich didn't need to see him in action. Oregon just recently offered his most recent offer. He's got Utah and Arizona State. Four Pac-12 offers. That's four more starts than he's ever made as a high school a high school quarterback so this weekend at the fsp id camp he was the only 2023 player selected this camp was geared towards 2021 and 2022 players in the northwest that are having to wait until march for their season to be played put on by his seven on seven coach tracy ford of ford sports performance and fsp jabari was actually the number one pick for the draft and what does he do in four series? He throws three touchdowns and was about three inches away from a fourth touchdown on the fourth series of the game, was the MVP of the game, but showing why he's the number two dual threat quarterback in the country. If this was you know, a sneak preview of what his high school career is going to be like, it's going to be a blast to watch this guy. Him and Jaden Rashada should have a nice little rivalry at the dual threat position over the top two spots over the next couple of years. And I'll tell you what, with the 21 and 22 guys there today, it was a 2023 guy this weekend that really ended up stealing the show in Jabari Johnson. And, you know, making that early four-star, early number two ranking look very, very good. Huff bringing the goods, delivering the goods, as always, on JT Tuimaloao, on Caleb Elarms Orr, and on Jabari Johnson. Thank you, Huff, for, for joining us. Maybe next time you'll, you'll actually be joining us from Figaro. I'll be celebrating with some purple and gold because we're going to get that one this week. Book it.
All right. That is Brandon Huffman, national recruiting editor for 24 seven sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Huffman. Another reminder later this week, we've got another mailbag episode. So you've got a question for Brandon Huffman or for anyone else on the 24 seven sports team of analysts, make sure to submit a five-star Apple podcast review with your recruiting question. Thank you so much for listening to the 24 seven sports football recruiting podcast. outside of the motel you will be shot don't miss the new showtime limited series based on the international bestseller for the last four years i've been a prisoner why are they keeping you here starring emmy award winner ewan mcgregor this is the brave new world that you dreamt of be very careful you are still a prisoner here everything in this new world comes at cost this is still my country a gentleman in moscow now streaming on paramount plus only with the paramount plus with showtime plan